Welcome to Calvary Revival Church Podcast, where we exist to know God, live generously, discover purpose, and make a difference. Wherever you are listening from, our desire is for this practical teaching to make a difference in your personal life and in the lives of the people and community around you. And now, let's prepare ourselves for an uplifting experience. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Uh, I want to just take a moment to introduce myself. I'm Courtney McBath, and uh, we want to welcome you to God's house today. I want you to go with me in your Bibles two places, uh, Ephesians 2, where we were two weeks ago, and Philippians 1. Amen? And, uh, you know, we started out talking about being God's masterpiece. I'll read a little bit of that today. And uh, then uh, uh, Pastor David led us during Thanksgiving, and as we begin to give thanks, um, and we begin to talk through this whole attitude of thanksgiving and what, that, what does that mean uh, for us as believers. One of the things that uh, we talked about is that sometimes the Lord presents to us these great truths, but sometimes we need to step back and then thank him for it before we just go on to the next thing. Amen? And so we understand that we're his masterpiece and then Thanksgiving comes along. We focus on Thanksgiving. We focus on worship. We focus on being grateful for what God has already done. Because here's the deal. In order for you to believe God for what's coming, you have to be the kind of person that's grateful for what he's already done. There is something about the gratitude for what's already happened that energizes the faith for what God's getting ready to do. Because if you're really not grateful for what he's done, why would he want to entrust you with more if you're not thankful for what God's already done. We'll do this a couple of times today, but I just want to stop and celebrate for a moment. How many of you are glad you may not be where you want to be, but you're so glad you're not where you used to be, that there's change. Look at your neighbor, say there's movement in my life. Turn to someone and say, I'm unfinished business. Tell them I'm a building under construction. Tell them, say, watch you, watch where you step. There's a lot of mud around here because I'm a, I'm in process and it ain't all pretty. And so we're coming into that place where we understand that, yes, we are God's masterpiece, but he's at work, but we are a work in progress, unfinished business. And for, for most of us, I know for me, we've got to get comfortable with the fact that I'm not growing quite as fast as I want to. I ain't getting there as quick as I want to get there. Because if it's left up to me, I'd already be there. But I'll read to you a scripture today that I think will help you put it all in perspective. But we'll start with Ephesians, review Ephesians first. And I want you just to look at Ephesians 2 and verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Look at your name and say, you can't brag. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Amen. So look at that last phrase. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. God wants you to do some good things. And the good things God's got for you are still ahead of you. I need you just to declare with your own mouth, my life is not over yet. 
And, and no matter what your age, if you're, in my, if you're in my gang, if you're 60 and over, 60 and over, holler at me. Everybody's 60 and over. All right. So y'all in here. If you can still do that, life ain't over for you yet. There's still life for you. There's still more for you. You're still on the planet because God's got plans for you. And if you haven't quite made it to our status of 60 and over yet, and you're still in that 59 and under group. Are y'all in here? Y'all not as energetic as us. We'll give y'all a second chance, 59 and under. Are y'all in the building? Oh, y'all was just trying to honor your elders, wasn't you? You was keeping it on the low for a minute. But I, I want to encourage you to, uh, to recognize that God saved me because there's a purpose for my life and a plan and I'm in process of becoming who I need to be so I can fulfill what I was placed on the planet for. And all of us were placed on the planet for a reason. Now listen, don't get down because you don't know what your reason for being on the planet is. Because most of us live our lives trusting God by faith, believing that we know, and then it changes and we discover more and we see more. And over time, we start to develop some sense of God's purpose and plan for us. But we, none of us start out knowing exactly what it is. We learn as we go. And sometimes it changes. Somebody say amen, it does. We thought we knew, and then we discover it was more than what we, than what we thought. So now I want to take you back to Philippians 1 and verse Three. Matter of fact, three through six. And I want to give you this time frame for your unfinished business work. Now, this unfinished business, it's a good business. It's a God business, but it's a long term business. Here's why I say that. Every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. For you've been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you heard it first heard it until now. And I am certain, somebody say, I'm sure. I am certain, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Father, thank you for the reading of scripture. Make it come alive to us today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I, I love this. He says, I'm working on you and I'll be finished once you get through four weeks of growth track. I'm working on you and I'll be done after you get baptized. I'm working on you and after you've been in the church for five years, it'll all be straight. I am working on you and give me about 12 years and I'm going to have you straight. Nope. He says, I'm working on you. I've started to work in you and I'm going to get it done before I come back to get you. And that's my promise to you. When I come back, I'm going to have you ready. But don't expect it to happen sooner than what I, the time frame that I've given you. For many of you, you have to come to peace with the fact that God is not on your clock. That God's on his own clock and his clock is called eternity. And so he's not bound by your biological clock. There are some of you who think, oh, I'm so late. I should have had this by the time I was 21. I should have had this by the time I was 35. And oh my God, my biological clock is ticking and it hasn't happened by 40. 
But God's clock is not determined by Jet Ebony, U.S. News and World Report, Time Magazine, or the latest trends in the world. That is not how God determines his clock. He is Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. And somewhere in this eternal time frame, he is working on your life. And if you would give less attention to how much time it's taking and more focus to what he wants to do, you'll get there a whole lot faster. If you will stop watching the pot and start start agreeing with what God wants to do in your life, is the thing. God, when's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? When am I going further? When am I going further? And say, God, thank you that I'm in your hand, and because I'm in your hand, there is value in my life because I'm in your hand. And my value is not based on what I've accomplished, what I've amassed, what I own, where I live, who's on my arm, but my value is based upon whose hand I'm in. Because everything, remember I always say, everything changes based on whose hand that it's in. Tennis racket is a recreational uh, tool for folks to uh, hit bad shots. And it's not worth but 30 or $40 in your hand or mine. But you drop it in Serena Williams' hand, it's worth billions of dollars. Now, it's a billion-dollar industry because everything's value is determined by whose hand that it's in. It was just five fish and a few loaves of bread when it was in the little boy's hand. But when it changed hands and went into Jesus' hands, then what was just a meal for one became a meal for 15,000 because the value is determined by whose hand that it's in. I need at least 12 people in the building to give God thanks that you are not in the hand that you use to be. There was a moment you were in the hand of the enemy, but you've been delivered from darkness, brought into his marvelous light. And now I need you to just lift your hand and say, my value has changed. Not because I'm all that, but because of whose hand I'm in. Because it's, it really is, as we taught a few weeks ago, it's from mess to masterpiece. And the, the masterpiece is only a masterpiece because of the master. Without the master, it's just a piece. But with the master, it becomes a masterpiece. But our, our challenge is that the process of becoming what we might envision for our lives or even what we feel the word may envision for us simply doesn't happen fast enough. And one of the reasons is because in order for you and I to begin to walk out this process and be partners with God in in this unfinished business, it begins with a change of vision. Write that down somewhere. It, all, it starts with a change of vision. See, I can't be God's partner in becoming a masterpiece till my vision changes because I've got to begin to see what he sees. And, and I've got to begin to value and prioritize what he values and prioritize. It ain't just a matter of going to church and hollering. Did I say hollering? I did, didn't I? Y'all know I'm country. It's not just a matter of going to church and hollering. It's not just a matter of going to church and speaking in tongues. It's a matter of clapping or come to the altar one time. No, but there's a process going on in our lives, and we must become willing participants in the process that God has initiated in our lives the day he saved us. He initiated this process, and we've got to start to spend our time in agreement with the process as opposed to being a holdup in the process. 
Anybody here ever gotten in the way of the process? And so if you're in the way, you got to get yourself out of the way. And today's discussion will be how do I get myself out of the way so that the process can go on with the timing of God in my life and I don't become a hindrance to that. Can you say amen? amen. So here's a couple of things I want you to write down about this unfinished business. Number one, we've already talked about it a little bit, but it's a long-term business. Remember, I am certain that God who began the good work will continue it until it's finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. It is a long-term business. It's not a one-night stand. This is not overnight. This is not microwave. You can't make this happen quick. It takes time. And it's always going to take a little more time than you anticipated. i just go ahead and tell you that. Word of encouragement. It's going to be longer. <laughs> I, I'm not here to make you shout, but hey, it's around the corner. Tomorrow, everything's going to change. No, because you've heard that before and gotten disappointed because it didn't. I'm here to tell you the truth. Tomorrow will be another day where you'll have to trust him, walk by faith, and you'll be a little closer to your destination than you were yesterday, but you won't be at your destination yet. Somebody say amen. You see, the reality is that it's not so much getting to the destination. It's what's happening in my life along the journey. It's the, it's the, it's the beauty of the journey. It's, it's, it's valuing the moments with God and what God is doing in my life in that season. That's where the real power comes in. It's a long-term business. And number two, it's a God business. So I want to read to you from Psalm 139, about five verses. And, uh, and I want you to study them at home on your own. Psalm 139, I'll start with verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. I want you to look at your neighbor and just say, it's talking about me. You know, it's talking. Make sure you tell them. Come on, y'all. I know it's awkward. Tell them. It's, it's, it's talking about me. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me? Look at your name and say, oh, that's about me too, right there. That's, that's me. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Is that not powerful, you all? It is a discussion of you and how God sees you. And we'll talk a little bit about this word confess, which comes from two Greek words, homo legeo, homo meaning same, legeo meaning word. Most of us understand that word in the context of 1 John 1 and 9, when it says, if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me of my sin, cleanse me from all unrighteousness. We get it there because confess means I agree with God about my sin and and when I do, he will forgive me. Wave at me if you've ever had to confess to God. Yes, I'm wrong. I agree with you, Lord, I'm wrong. And it's only in that moment that forgiveness comes. You have to come into agreement with God. But I also want to remind you that coming into agreement with God is more than just when you sin, but it's also when God says things about you. When God says you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you can't say, oh yeah, but you ain't seen my hair lately. You can't do that because now you're in disagreement with God. And 
and you'll never be able to pull in what is God for you when you operate in disagreement with God because you are not what you are because of your own works or because of your own righteousness. By grace, you are saved through faith. It is the gift of God and you can't brag about it. Matter of fact, he designed it to be by grace so that you and I can't get credit for what God has done. It ain't because I'm so good. It ain't because I joined a great church. It's not because my parents were wonderful, even though they were, but that is not it. I am saved today because of the wonderful grace of God. And there is nothing I can do to brag or boast about it. So, so the truth is, the truth is that most of what we, and, and you all, I'm, I'm, somebody asked me while I was sitting down today, they said, are you okay? I said, I'm good. So I'm sitting down today because some points of this, I want it to feel like a conversation, not that you're being preached at or even preached to. Are you hearing me? Because I want to get into some stuff that may be hard for you to admit to and not that you have to, uh, to me, but you'll have to with God so that you don't get in the way of the process. Just look at your neighbor and make this confession. I keep getting in my own way. Yep, absolutely. I keep getting in my And for the two of you back in the back who didn't say it, it's true for you too. You keep getting in your own way. Matter of fact, the folk who didn't say it are probably deeper in their own way than everybody else because you so much in your way, you can't even say that you in your way because you in your way of saying that I'm in my way. And the quicker you get to the place of honesty where you can admit I stay in my own way, the quicker you can get past that so that God can do something wonderful in your life. So let's start with this. Number one, you've got to first get past the outside, the wrapping paper. You got to get past your temple. I call that the wrapping paper. In other words, if you look at yourself in the morning in the mirror and you hate you, I know hate is a strong word, y'all, but I'm using it for emphasis. If you can't get past your ears, your hair, your lips, no matter how or how they are. If you, can't, <laughs> if you can't get past that, it's going to be very difficult for you to embrace the value of God internally when you're still tripping over stuff that doesn't even matter to God. Boy, you better preach that. If you still tripping over hair texture and complexion and all of that, if that's still your issue, then you're going to have a difficult time embracing when God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are wonderfully complex. God says my workmanship is marvelous. I spent some time working on you. I made you like I wanted you to be. I shaped you like I wanted to shape you. And, and I didn't make you like every European model on every magazine. I didn't make you like everybody that you see on TV and who ain't really who you see on TV. They who you see on TV after 18 trainers, 25 nutritionists and 14 makeup jobs and 18 surgeries and y'all ain't gonna talk to me now but they fool you into thinking that's what you should look like but you need five million dollars to look like that because they don't even look like that 
Can I preach for just a second? You see, at some point, you have to embrace who God has made you. Not because you all that, not because you're trying to promote some new trend or new thing, but just because God, thank you. I don't want to be in disagreement with what you say. If you say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, then with all my issues in your eyes, I must be fearfully and wonderfully made. And what, why does it matter what everybody else thinks or sees if you say I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? I want to pull you out of some of your self-loathing. Some of your look at yourself. There's some of you that hate stuff about you. And that is a false humility. Because if God says it's good and you say it's bad, that's pride. Because you must think you know more than God knows. Y'all ain't going to talk to your brother now. If you're in this place where God has declared, see, and the reason why the process is taking so long, because God can't get you to accept the materials that he's using. He's already sanctified the materials. By grace, he saved the material and he's working on the material, but you're still tripping about the complexion of the material. And God doesn't even care about the complexion of the material. God has to pull you out of that sense of self-love. And I've got to stay here for a while because many of us have come up in communities and families where you've been literally taught that you're not, that you're the lowest, that you're the worst. And so I have to take a little time to swing this pendulum back because for many of you, it's swung in the wrong direction and you've been marginalized for so long that you've begun to believe the lie of the enemy. You're similar to the Israelites when they went over to check out the promised land. And when they came back from the promised land, Caleb and Joshua said, we got to take it right now. It's ours. But the other brethren said, no, we can't take it because we got problems. Because when we got over there, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. But you could get the promised land looking like grasshoppers in their eyes. But it's the second phrase that got them. Then they said, and we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes as well. Cause it ain't how they see you that stops you. It's how you see you that stops you. And Jesus came to deliver you from what they say and get you to believe what he said. He also delivers you from what you say too. And then he brings you into the fullness of what he says about you. Are you hearing me? Now, 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 I, I got my own issues. I, I got some self-loathing issues, too. Uh, I'm only going to share the PG-13 ones. Uh, so I was at the home of a pastor. Uh, I, was, I preached in their church, and uh, so this was recently. And after service, they took me over to their house to eat dinner. And oh, my goodness, the spread they put out. I mean, it was, uh, it was awesome, y'all. They had stuff on the table that I know I ain't supposed to eat. I felt like Peter, you know, when the sheet came down on the, you remember the vision Peter had before he went to Cornelius' house and he said, there's all kinds of beasts on that sheet. And the Lord said, rise, Peter, slay and eat. He said, oh Lord, I can't eat that. I was in, Lord, I can't eat that. That's a rib. I can't, I don't eat ribs. But they had everything laid out and it was so nice and it was good and it was tasty and I was eating it, y'all. And, um, and as I was eating it, I started feeling guilty about what I, about eating. And I said, uh, I said, but I'm going to be on the scale tomorrow, though. And so the pastor's wife, who's counselor, said, on the scale tomorrow? I said, oh, yes. She said, oh, so that's your weight day. I said, oh, every day is my weight. I weigh every day. She said, Bishop, every day? 
I said, oh yeah, oh yeah. And you know when you're getting defensive because your voice changed. Oh yeah, because that's the, that's the only way you can really stay on top of it is you got to weigh every day. And then, y'all, I sounded like, like uh, somebody who struggles with, struggles with a vice, like alcohol or something. I said, but if I want to stop, I can stop. <laughs> and and so, so, I said, so I said the next day, I said, I'm sh- I ain't got to wait. Because she said, well, just wait once a week. I said, well, I could do that if I wanted to, but I'm doing this because this is the way I... But then I realized how much it took for me to not get on the scale the next day. And I was like, I got to get on it. I got to get on it. Because every morning I, I get on it. Because, you know, yeah, those of y'all that know how that works, you got to time it so it's at the lowest possible point. So, so, <laughs> so I got to tie that because, see, my self-loathing says this nine pounds overweight makes me ugly. So I got to get on the scale even if it ain't changed. And make it, see it go down 0.05 pounds. If I got to lift one of my feet up and lean on something so I can take some of the weight off of it. Because I need to know that I ain't as big as I am. The lady J been trying to get me delivered for years from that. But I, I would listen till I realized how OCD I was. I was so over the top with this stuff. And it, it was a deliverance for me to not wait three, four days. I, I went six days. I know it don't mean nothing to y'all, but to those of us who've been delivered, when you're in weight scale anonymous, I went six whole days. And the reason I went six whole days is because the Lord freed me from thinking negatively about myself and my own value and my own worth based upon 0.25 on the scale every day. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying? Because of course, you know, I mean, you need to take good care of your body and you need it because it's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you take good care of it, but you don't take good care of it so that you have value with God or so that you have value with yourself. You take good care of it because it's the right thing to do because internally you want to be healthy, but you don't do that because something in your head tells you you're ugly. Something tells you that if you don't get your hair more straight than it is, you're ugly. That if you don't, if you don't do this, if you don't fix that, if you don't turn it, if you don't fix that, if you don't change that, if you don't pull that back, if you don't fix it, if you don't weave that, if you don't glue that, if you don't, if you don't dye that, if you don't fix that, you're an ugly person. That's a lie straight from the pit of hell. And, and, and listen, some of you say, well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with myself. If you are, that's fine. But for the people who are not, this becomes a major hindrance to them walking in everything God has for them because they will every time somebody doesn't applaud or doesn't compliment or doesn't notice or doesn't mention, they feel less in their own eyes. And when you walk in to take your promised land, it's not what the giants see, it's what you see about you. And you've got to see yourself the way God sees you. You are capable because of the Holy Spirit. You are good because of grace. You are valuable because of the mercy of God, not because of anything that you have done. God did that thing in your life. Every now and then you got to shake yourself from your own hatred of yourself because you can't be in agreement with God and hate what God loves.
Now, God hates sin, so you need to hate that. But God don't hate you. You need to love what God loves. And if God loves you, you need to be okay with you. I'm not talking about narcissism. Narcissism is me thinking I'm all that and I'm going to make sure I get this and I get that and I have that. That's narcissism. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about healthy emotional perspective towards your own self. My, my. Trying to keep my seat. Did you say you got to get past your past? Pumba told Timon, You got to put your behind in the past. Timon said, no, Pumba. That's not right. It's not put your behind in the past. It's you got to put your past behind you. But some of y'all at Pumba, you, your behind stays in the past. But you got to come over to Timon. You got to come over here to first, first line, King 3 and 4. And you got to get with Timon and say, no, I got to put my past behind me. And when you look at what the apostle says in Philippians 3.13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on. Somebody holler, I press on. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And so at some point, I've got to be able to let go. But Paul gives us a key, and maybe we'll talk about this more at another time. But Paul gives us a key to letting go. A key to letting go is seeing something in your future. You want to say I got my glasses on today, y'all. I ain't going to tell y'all the lie most people say, but I don't need them. But it's all about focus. See, it's what are you focused on? And so Paul says, the only way I get free from being Pumbaa <laughs> and always being in the past is I have to start to focus on what lies ahead and press on to reach that. Are, are y'all hearing me? I'm, I'm, I'm focused on that. I'm still dealing with the consequences or maybe still dealing with the residue. Or maybe still, but, but my focus has to stay ahead even in that process. Why? Because that's where God's eyes are. Because he said you're still in the past. I've put them as far as east is from west. Those are in the sea of forgetfulness. That's gone. So now, because here's the deal, you all. If you let yourself stay focused on past failure then you won't have the energy necessary to deal with your present challenges. Now, any of you all that don't have any sin that you're dealing with right now, I mean, you just keep looking at the past and work on that. But for all of us who got stuff we're dealing with now, I need all that faith and all that power right here in my present, right here in what I'm dealing with now. And it begins with 1 John 1 and 9. I have to first confess or agree with God that I'm wrong. And in confessing my sins, he is what? Faithful and just to do what? One, forgive us our sins. And two, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Or toward that leaning toward unrighteousness. So he, he forgives and then he cleanses. The forgiveness is instantaneous. The cleansing is a process. Right? 
right? Cleansing is a process and we get ourselves in that process of cleansing. Why? Because we don't want to let our current, we don't want to let our current areas of rebellion or sin or challenge, we don't want to let them stay because they blur our vision for what God has for us. Uh, they they de-energize our faith to believe God uh, uh, for the future. How many of you have ever been trusting God for a promise and then the enemy uses, he uses against you where you messed up to keep you from trusting God for a promise? Anybody here ever, we'll talk about money, something everybody can relate to and nobody had to feel awkward about. Hey, anybody here ever been trusting God for a financial miracle, that God will do something, meet a need? Wave at me if you've ever been trusting God for something financial. All right. Anybody here ever been trusting God for something financial and then when you started to say, Lord, I'm trusting you for this, the enemy said, yeah, but you didn't pay your tithes last week. Or you didn't pay your tithes last month. Mm, you ain't do your legacy giving. And, and suddenly... When he does that, it makes you then doubt the promise of God that God's going to meet your need. According to Philippians 4, 19, my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? And so what happens is because of the area of disobedience, then the enemy has an inroad to make us doubt what God's about to do. Because how many of you know that God still takes care of us even when we don't handle our business financially? I need at least 12 honest people to say that the Lord helped you even sometime when you didn't do what you're supposed to do. So it ain't based upon works. God still blesses, but the problem is not whether God will do it or not. The problem is, can you still trust God and believe him when you let other stuff hang around in your life? Are you hearing me? And so as I begin to address those things, it takes the blur out of my vision. It uh, maximizes my faith and it then hastens the growth process, but I have to begin to do that. So not only do I confess, how many of y'all want to mature and grow and really become strong in Christ Jesus? Then you need somebody in your life that you tell them about your wrong. The hand went down quick. Like you was doing a dance. No, keep your hand up. I'm going to tell you why. James 5.16 says, confess your sin to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Not forgiven, healed. Forgiveness comes from God, 1 John 1 and 9. But healing can come from talking it over with someone else. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So that conversation is therapeutic, and then them praying for you becomes therapeutic as well. Somebody say amen. So, so you want to have at least one friend, that you, someone that you can trust, but you also want to be aware of areas in your life, areas of, of, of trouble, struggle, challenge that started in moments of trauma, whether it was grief or abuse or molestation or, uh, or, or, or uh, something tragic happened in your life and from after that tragedy you went down a different road after that tragedy you started doing different that that tragedy uh, you found yourself caught up in a habit after that tragedy after that struggle because then friend you might not only need just any friend you may need a therapist kind of friend don't y'all don't y'all shout me down because i'm preaching real good you, 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 may, you may need some help. And unfortunately, for many of us, we've been raised in communities where needing help with emotional or mental issues is oftentimes looked down upon. Oh, 
Oh, they send a counselor, they must be crazy. Call me crazy. I say crazy is when you know you got an issue and you ain't trying to get no help. I love that kind of clap. It was like, it's like we're at the opera. Well, no. Yes, Lord. It was. Thank you, Jesus. Because mm-hmm. if I clap too loud, folk will probably think that I have a counselor. How about not worrying about what folk think? And letting Jesus get his hand in your life and walk you through the most difficult areas because he loves you. And there's value in you. And you're not always going to be where you are right now. Things will change. Things will grow. I mean, look at what God has already done in your life. And the best is still ahead for you. But at some point in your life, you got to step out of your own way and embrace the fact that in spite of you, God still loves you. In spite of you, God has already chosen you. In spite of you, God has got his hand on your life. Listen, can I talk to you about idolatry and serving false gods? If you're the woman or the man that thinks your issue can stop God, then you and your issue must be bigger than God. But me and my issue ain't bigger than God. I believe that God is greater than my issue and greater than my struggle and greater than my challenge and greater than my sin because he's God and I'm not God. And so I'm willing to say, God, would you take this and would you do what you need to do in my life? Because I believe that in spite of me, he still loves me. Do you believe that in spite of you, he still loves you? In spite of you, he still chose you. In spite of you, you've got the DNA of God in your life. In spite of you, you've got a purpose from God. In spite of you, you have a destiny that God is bringing you into. In spite of you, God is at work. I need you to just throw your hand up and say, in spite of me, you still love me. And Come on, in spite of me, you still love me. In spite of me, you still love me. In spite of me, you still love me. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, worship team. Hurry, hurry, hurry. In spite of me. It, you all, this is not an ending message. This is, as we start to talk to you about next year and the theme of next year, this is a, we're continuing the process of discipleship. But we recognize there are some things that we have to to say yes to God's grace, yes to God's mercy, yes to God's correction, yes to that. And in doing so, God starts to work in a powerful way in our lives. Scars, flaws, attitudes. Who got attitude issues? Wait a minute. Attitudes, all that. We, we ain't glorifying it. We ain't deifying it. We ain't mystifying it. We just ain't letting that be the thing that, ch- that leads our lives. Are you hearing me? And in spite of all that, you're chosen by God. In spite of it, you're chosen by God. Now, how many know that God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much? to leave us the way we are. Jesus told the woman caught in, uh, uh, caught in, in sin, he, he protected her from being stoned, but then he said, go and sin no more. 
Why? Because he's a transformative God. He's not just mercy for the past, but he's grace to walk differently in the future. Are you hearing me? So I want y'all to just sit for a moment. Y'all got five minutes? If you don't, just put your finger up and slip on out. But if you got five minutes, I want you to sit here for a moment. I want you to listen to this song. Uh, I sure would love to say I wrote it just for y'all. <laughs> but I did not. But it helped me. It's helping me. It might help you a little bit too. And you've heard, it's not something you've never heard before, but maybe you've never really upset and, and closed your eyes and let the Lord sing it to you. So would you do that? I don't cross every T, I don't dot every I, I've got more flaws than a little, and I've messed up a thousand times, I don't always commit, sometimes I give up away too quick, and then I get tired of trying to run away from who I am to who I want to be, some days are better than others, I could be up there. But beyond my mistakes, I'm found in your grace. This one thing will never change. You still love me in spite of me. You still chose me. How can it be? Every scar, every flaw, you see it all. You see it all. You still love me. Love Can I get a witness? Love so relentless, you didn't give me what I deserve. Because you still chose me. Even when you thought you was all that, when you thought you was doing really good, it still was just His grace. But some of us today, we're so challenged with loathing self, but not been able to accept God's grace in our lives. And we can't even get on the road to maturity because we're still on the side of the road thinking that God has rejected us or doesn't love us. But if you're in this building today and you need to just renew your commitment to saying yes to what God says about you, and I want you to stream up to this altar. I want you to start walking this way. See, I'm renewing my commitment to saying yes to God's grace, yes to God's mercy, yes to God's love. As you make your way here today, you're saying, God, you know what, Lord? Your love is relentless. You didn't give me what I deserve. And I'm amazed by your grace. And I, 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 I want to honor that. And I don't want to stay in the same place. I want you to change me and move me forward. But first thing I got to do is I got to embrace who you say that I am. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
As y'all come to the altar, I'll give them just to sing a little bit more. Our, our, our powerful campus pastors, David and Lydia, are, are going to close out whatever way they want to today. I appreciate the opportunity to share with you all this morning. But I'm praying with you that you'll just today just say, God, I'm going all the way with you. I'm going to trust you for step. The enemy hadn't taken me out yet. I'm not going to let him take me out now. I'm going to embrace what you have for my life. Come on all over the building. If you're afraid to come to the altar, but you know God's talking to you, lift those hands and worship God. Come on, y'all sing. Thank you for joining us today. If you said that prayer and accepted Jesus into your heart, it's the best decision you could ever make. We want to celebrate with you and we have some tools to help you on your journey. Just text Jesus to 48074. To find out more about Calvary Revival Church, text GUEST to 48074. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening. Now go out and make a difference.